name is Dan Ledbetter, and with me, as always, the lovely and talented, uh, fun and exciting, uh, creative beyond belief, that's about all I got this morning for you, <laughs> Priscilla McKinney. I have a song, Guten Morgen. Okay, that was all I had. Was... So, if you find that creative beyond belief, then <laughs> that, I, I can't. I can't believe you just sang that. So, yes, I guess that uh, that does count for that. Well, there was a small dance that came with it. Oh, and, and also a yodel. So I admitted those two. Well, if you were uh, wearing lederhosen, you would have a an entire uh, Goldschlager commercial right there. Are you sure we couldn't go with free cola? Yeah, I know. I won't. You know, all right, through confession time, I want one of those giant horns. Oh, God, of course you do. For no other reason just to have it. And, like, every once in a while, go stand in my front yard and just blow that thing. I I, I want an auto harp, so what, what can I take here? <laughs> no, I'm still, actually, I'm still looking for an auto harp for you. Oh, are you? Thank I you. Am. I am. They're, they're actually a little bit expensive. I was just going to say, you're going to have sticker shock. Why do you think I don't have one yet? Yeah, I know. Good <laughs> heavens. Who knew those things were like a, like buying a Stradivarius or something? Oh, but did you like my in-store gift I sent to you last week? Oh, my God. I seriously just about <laughs> fell off the couch. Okay, so for our audience, I have what I call in-store gift. When you're in a store, either with somebody or it's somebody, you know, a friend of yours, and you find the perfect thing in the store, right. I don't say you need to buy it. There's some things, there's just no reason that you need to buy it. It's just going to be taken home. It's funny, right. but then it's gone. You know, you have to deal with it. And I don't like having to deal with things or driving things over to the Goodwill. So <laughs> just that's just an errand. So, um, or it could be something that's so expensive that you would love to give somebody. So yes. I give you the benefit of walking up to me in the store and saying in-store gift and you hand it to me and I get the beauty of you handing it. Like, this is what you would mean to give me, but then we put it back. Right, right. Right, so it all stays in the store. It's awesome. So this is what's called in-store gift. I I, I implore you to try it. it I like that. You should trademark that. Well, it's so fun. I, I think I actually got it from my sister, Michelle. She and I have been doing it forever. Oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> but I could claim it. That's fine. She may not listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll steer her the other direction. Nice. Um, but anyway, so I found, of course, way going way back in the podcast archives, we talked about how people do not need more pan flute music. Right. <laughs> and for one dollar, I found a CD that is holiday pan flute music for you. <laughs> I am so excited to actually fire that up for no reason than I've. I just want to hear a Silent Night done on the pan flute. Oh my gosh! Well, you'll never hear it. You just have to imagine it because it was an in-store gift. Oh. Well, very so, sad. I was actually all excited. I was like, I was dusting off my CD player and getting ready. I just thought it was like the hubris of the interesting retail that they're still selling CDs in the Oh my store. God, no kidding, right? <laughs> Isn't it so weird? It's like, I mean, back in the day, it was like CDs, you know, that was the medium. It's like, that's the only thing we get. And now it's like, uh, no, let's just download it. I remember, though, when we were listening to tapes and someone came over to Spain for the summer, and he was a pretty wealthy kid and stayed with us for the summer. Right. And he had this a CD player and CDs, and I'm like, no, you can't. There's That can't come off. That sound can't come out of that. Right. Right. <laughs> I know. So I just dated myself, which is what I want to talk about today. Oh, <laughs> perfect. Dating myself. No, all right. <laughs> that's not yes. what we're talking about. But about, like, funny generational things. We all get talking about this. This is such exciting conversation. And I say exciting because, you know what, it does not take much to push someone to talk about this. Right. What was different in their generation? How, and, and it very quickly digresses down into, 
kids these days. Right, right. <laughs> that, know, that, right. Quickly followed by, I had to go to school uphill both ways in the snow. Right, right. And right. we all think we had it worse than someone. And But it is human nature, and we love to talk about this. But this is what I want to talk about today. All right. Not just in-store gifts, which was awesome. My husband, who reads The Economist, which, by the way, is my retirement dream. When I'm retired, I will also be reading The Economist. Right, exactly. <laughs> but he handed me an article the other day. Uh, so this is really timely. This is in the August 1st issue of The Economist, and it's called Myths About millennials and he handed this to me and he's like here this is the article to back up your point wow. and i'm like what somebody else believes what i believe about millennials because for the most part i think the whole thing about the millennial generation and who they are and what they are i find it completely bunk and everybody keeps talking about oh they're this way they're this way they're that way and i just don't see it and I, I, I actually, it's interesting, I have actually reached out to a couple of people because I want to talk about the generations on this podcast because it does affect business. And of all things, it affects marketing. Oh, my gosh. But even if you could put marketing aside and understanding that demographic, also just as a company, it's interesting right. to me to talk about the generations because you've got to hire and you've got to attract the best and brightest from all different age groups. And you have to know to some degree what motivates people. So it would be awesome. I, I It's not because I don't want it to be true. I want it to be easy and the millennials to be like pared down into a nice convenient label. So I would know how to make my place super millennial friendly, I guess. Right. That is what people are trying to say to do. But once I say it, I think, no, I want my place to be my place. Right. Right. Not necessarily be friendly to one group or the other one. I want the best and brightest, no matter what their age or generation is. Well, let me ask you this. But why do you think it's necessary? And I mean, since the beginning of time, uh, you know, I'm sure if you took this all the way back to the earliest caveman era, there is this desire to label and in some ways criticize the generation that's coming up past us. Mm -hmm. why, why do you think that is? Because I, I, I find it so interesting you know, because I was part of the baby boomer generation, mm -hmm. and then after that was uh, was uh, what Generation Y, I believe, was mm -hmm. after us or Baby mm -hmm. Busters. So they call me the Generation Y or Baby Busters. And then we had the you millennials. You say uh, you say us like as if I'm a part of the baby boomers, and I'm not. Oh crap! <laughs> I'm Generation X. You're Gen You're Gen X. Yeah. Uh huh. I was oh, born in yeah. Goodness. I was born in seventy two. You I, kids these I, days. I know. Go ahead. <laughs> See, I'm tearing you apart. <laughs> I, I feel like I should be sitting on the porch with uh, in a rocking chair with uh, telling kids to get off my lawn. You know, the only thing that really resonates to me about uh, my, you know, what they say about Gen X is they say we're very entrepreneurial. Oh, really? I am. But, you know, I have siblings that are Gen X and they're not. And so that's right. kind of like, well, great. That works for me. That what, what where's I feel like it's kind of horoscope feeling. Mm -hmm. You read into it what you want to read it. And I find the same thing to be true about birth order. Oh, interesting. It drives me nuts. Interesting. Now, I have heard a lot about that. Like, you know, I was the firstborn, so I'm the, uh, you know, the aggressor, the do-gooder, the, you know, the, the responsible one or whatever mm -hmm. it is. That does not work in my family. No, I've seen it in other families where it doesn't work either. Yeah. And so it's frustrating me because I, I want it to work. I think as humans, we're made to look for patterns. Right. Right? right. I believe that. And I want to see one so badly because it would make things make so much more sense to me, but I don't see them. And that's what's frustrating about birth order and about generation thing. And I literally, if there's someone out there who feels completely opposite, 
I would love, 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 love to have you on this podcast because let's talk it out. Let's if someone can make me a believer on either one of those things, I am all for it. Yeah. I agree. You know, it's it's so funny because you I think you hit the nail on the head that we have to find as people, we have to find a logic or an order to things, mm -hmm. you know, to explain why things happen. It, sometimes I think there's a resistance to just being okay with the, it is what it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it's so funny because it's like, no, there has to be a rhyme or a reason to this because I have to put it in a box so I can understand it. Mm -hmm. Now, I can imagine for you mm -hmm. being in marketing, mm -hmm. how you've... If if we are going to call the generations what they are, you know, mm -hmm. like the boomers, the busters, Gen Y, Gen X, mm -hmm. millennials, centennials, which are mm -hmm. the newest one, do you have do you find that you have people coming to you saying, "Wow, you know, I really want to reach this hipster group of people, um, and I don't know how to do it. You're a marketing expert. Go." Right. Well, yes and no. And, you know, case in point, we just had a podcast about personas. Right. Talking right. about personas and, and how important understanding your audience is. What's so interesting about it now to me in retrospect was we talked about personas for an hour and we never talked about the generation. Right. That's true. We talked about what motivates them. What, you know, I'm trying to break people down into much smaller groups, not these general broad categories of millennials or Gen Y. I may go, hey, I'm after soccer moms. That kind of thing is more useful to me. Right. But, and I think that tells me that primarily what I'm doing in segmentation for marketing is I'm primarily segmenting people based on socioeconomic status first. Mm. And then I'm the next thing I think would be about motivation, like what's the need? What 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 are we working towards? And then the third thing I would say is like what we call psychographics or unspoken needs. Right. Like like, for example, I may be pitching to a mid-level marketing person my idea of, you know, managing all their social media and they'll tell me, oh, we need a cohesive strategy. But what they're not telling me is you have to make me look smart in front of my boss. Mm. So I write things to that persona in a way that makes them see me as a collaborator and as someone who will praise them and bring them along in the process. I need to be very educational, but in a way where I'm kind of throwing myself on the sword and never throwing them on it. Mm. So I find it more interesting about personas and marketing to really look at more in-depth detail like that about how people are going to interact with our copy. And the, the generations really are, are just too big of a group. Yes. And I think that a lot of companies are, gener are are marketing to a particular generation. There's been epic fails on that and, and epic triumphs. But I think that's in a massive group. What I specialize in here, whether you do inbound marketing with us or whether you do campaigning or even us writing copy to a new website, we're looking at different groups and not just one generation. So I don't know that it has for me the, the interest that I have is specifically about being a marketing company. I think it has a lot more interest to me about hiring. And in fact, I was just asked recently by a local paper to guest column about hiring and firing practices for a small company. Oh, really? Yeah. And well, this, that's exciting. This brings up millennial issues to me. 
Sure. Because this is who I'm hiring and firing right now. And, you know, I started the article by saying someone had told me how much I had to hire and fire as an entrepreneur. I think it's possible I wouldn't have opened my company Hmm. because it's a pain in the butt, you know, and there's a lot to it. But my exasperation is a lot of times on these kind of easy solutions people try to offer you to say, oh, if you want to attract a millennial, you need to be this. You need to be that. And I'll give you one specific for example they say that millennials are really into social justice and really into community responsibility and all this kind of stuff that sounds awesome to me because that would be a perfect fit for me i do so much pro bono and i know as soon as i say that i've got like six more people calling me to do (laughs) but we do tens of thousands pro bono work every year because that's important to me that's and i'm not a millennial so that's important to me and so um here i'm paying staff to work on a nonprofit. Uh, some are centered around social justice some are a lot are centered around poverty alleviation that's a big drive personally for me um but what's interesting is i have over time asked my staff well let's do one more pro bono work this year why don't you all make a suggestion oh okay crickets crickets <laughs> they're not involved in their own life in a lot of those things and that's been over time now on my staff currently you know that that's not necessarily true across the board but i'm i'm talking more in generalities is that right. That has been my experience over the many years of owning a business is that that is not the millennial push. And what's so funny about it is the one person who's on my staff right now who pushes for those things is not a millennial either. Hmm. And so then the question becomes, is that really what millennials are? Or is it about, you know, right now, looking back at it, people who are in their 20s and early 30s, they're not typically as concerned with, and I'm not saying that they're bad people, but you are talking about generalizations you know, they're not as concerned with social justice and doing good and how much are they giving and they're not the big donors. That's right. not a function of generation so much as I believe it is a function of two things. Number one, your age and your ability, like, you know, what you have of disposable income. And then secondly, that's just your personality and your own personal convictions. That's who right. I am as a person. Right. I don't do those things because I'm a part of a generation. And so I think I see a lot of missteps in marketing because people assume, oh, they're very socially conscious. So they try and make, you know, like like, for example, Tom's is a great example. They really win on this level. Yes. And they've set the tone. But my question is, is our millennials that way because of Tom's or is Tom's that way because of the millennials? And I would say Tom's did that first did that because that company owner believed in it. And now they have schooled the millennials that this is how business can be done. Right. But I don't believe it was an outcry and outrage from the millennials who made a company like Tom's change their ways and do this good in the world. Yes. That's the myth. I think there have been very, you know, highly entrepreneurial people who are interested in social awareness, social justice, even, you know, um, taking care of the earth and, you know, all of these kind of like environmental causes to whatever it is, causes, right? Right, right? And so they've incorporated it into marketing and marketing strategy. Yes. And so now people say, oh, so that's because of the millennials. No, the millennials are sitting in the juice that is those companies. <laughs> right. Well, I think of companies like uh, Ben and Jerry's, right. for example, right? right? I mean, and those guys aren't, Millennials, those guys are like, you know, dyed in the wool or, or tie dyed in the wool right. hippies from, 
from back in the day. And it's so funny because it's like, you know, peace, love, and whatever, and mm-hmm. you know, don't let the man keep you down, and right. it, it, it should be available, everything for everybody. And now those people are like heads of Fortune 500 companies. Right. And they're becoming, they've actually set the foundation that has has allowed, I think, for that set of values to actually be played out on a broader scale. Exactly. They were trailblazers before everybody made fun of that kind of mentality. I mean, this is at the very beginning of my dent as an entrepreneur, which right. is my life. <laughs> very early on. And I can say this because nobody who works for me now worked for me then. And one Christmas, they were like, yeah, you should get us a Wii. <laughs> and I was like, what? No, I'm not buying you a Wii. I'm not your mom. I'm your employer, you know, (laughs) and I'm like, they confuse things because we are a creative company. We do fun things. We had a, um, we had a shuffleboard thing in our office and it's not that we just sit and yeah, we're not the company that's like, we are putting out work, but I'm sorry. At what point do you think that I'm going to buy you a Wii and we're always going to hang out? And I remember one of my, one of my top designers was just like, yeah, you know, I was doing a salary comparison and this is what people with my title make in Chicago. And I'm like, awesome. Yeah. I said, well, I I think you, I think you should check it out. I think you should. Chicago will be great for you. I think said, you know, I've (laughs) lived all, all over the world in California, Boulder, just to name a few of places where you can get that that income right let me explain to you when you work for an agency in chicago you don't work 40 hours a week and also you share an apartment with three other girls and you're all paying a thousand each (laughs) right you know kind of thing it's just like i don't think that's a function of a generation that's a function of just being young and not understanding and they hear these things like oh google gives childcare and has a ping pong table and all this kind of stuff like that i'm like right you know even ariana huffington they have nap rooms well I love that girl to death, but let me just tell you, I'm not putting a nap room in here because you know what that would be saying? I expect you to be here all the time, so much so that at some point you will need to take a nap. Right. Exactly. Like, do you not? So they start seeing these kind of companies that are doing these innovative things, but they don't see the other side to it. What's the take? And the take is that these companies demand crazy hours, hard schedules. These things are very hard on families. And so it comes with these exchanges. But I digress a little bit, but I'm saying some of those issues that have come up over time, I don't think that's specific to people being a millennial or Gen X or Gen Y. I think it's just about being sometimes young and stupid. Right. And not really understanding the whole issue and not understanding for an entrepreneur, I'm not here to create this fun, amazing environment and pay you and you take it easy. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, but that is true. I, I I also think that there's a level of, well, I'll just go back to uh, one of the more recent ones that I can recall when uh, when I was in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. And this big New York company bought out all these publishing places in Southern California. I mean, they went on a buying spree, Mm -hmm. bought all these publishing houses. And so they had this massive conglomerate of automotive titles. And this was right around the end of the dot-com boom. Mm -hmm. So they decided, in all their wisdom, that they needed to get in on that. Mm -hmm. So they bought bought the seventh floor of this this big Mm high-rise, spent all this money, I mean, on... Priscilla, it, it was almost obscene. They spent it on, like, Herman Miller chairs, mm. all this, all these high-end steel case cubicles. They brought in flooring and paint from Germany that uh, 
I can't even imagine how much it costs. They put in a garage door, mm -hmm. like a, a rolling garage yeah. door that they actually had to remove a window. But they brought in all that stuff and pool tables and boxing mm -hmm. stuff and like all this stuff. And it's like people thought, wow, this is the coolest thing. I think you hit the nail on the head that it's it's almost like a, a Venus flytrap. Mm -hmm. It's like we're bringing all this in so you don't have to go home. Right, right. Why do you think they offer childcare? Yeah, right? It's like you bring your kid to work because you're staying at work. Number one it, excuse. It, it, Listen, I got to go pick up my kids. No, you don't. They're right, they're right here. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, and you know, and people like to say, well, it's this new generation that wants to have all these creature comforts. No, it's not. It's, it's about having a different mindset and almost allowing the culture to influence mm -hmm how you are right. or how you should like maybe i should say that should act right and right. it's just i think it's it's so different than when i was your right, age right well <laughs> listen to this let's let me debunk this just a little further in stats and this is right out of the economist article which i'm telling you was so interesting you should really read it but um i'll put post the link when i post this mm, please, um please but they basically say that there's evidence to completely um you know contradict uh, those typical ideas of the millennials. And this is a poll of 90,000 American employees. Okay. And they okay. do this every quarter. So it's not like it's like one, you know, one time. So right. they find that millennials among the employees are in fact the most competitive and people keep telling us, Oh, they're collaborative. They want opportunities to do things together. They want group think they want, you know, no. And in the latest poll, they actually said competition quote is what gets them up in the morning. Compared, that's 59%, compared with 50% of baby boomers. So mm. they're more competitive than baby boomers were. So 58% of millennials say they would compare their performance with their peers against 48% for other generations. So a 10% leap, I mean, that's pretty, that's statistically significant. Right. Um, and then they go on to say they may spend much uh, time messaging with other millennials on their smartphones, but they do not have much faith in them. Fully 37% of millennials say they don't trust their peers' input at work. Wow. For other generations, the average was 26%. So this is a generation of individualists, not collaborators. Right. I could not agree more with that. <laughs> <laughs> That's at least my experience, you know? Yeah. This idea that they're anti-career, want to be off the grid. They want to be off the grid in the most on-the-grid kind of way. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So I have a word for some of them. I should probably coin this too. But they're nouveau, wait, what I call them? Nouveau hillbillies. Oh, you know, people say what hipsters or whatever, term. but you know, to me it's kind of like like they have these things like they want to build their own house. They want to be on their own their own land. There's right. elements of being um, debt free. And, you know, if you, you know, it's not like we're going to be completely free from this, but you look at what they say about, you know, the generation before them, which is my generation, which is that they're very in debt. Right. And so they want to get an education, but they want to pay for it as they go, you know, or this kind of stuff. So I have heard those types of things. And I'm not saying these things are completely like you can't ever, you know, they don't help you make sense at all. What I think is you just can't take them hook, line and sinker. Because yes. my experience has been that they may act that they don't want money, but let me tell you that fedora wasn't cheap. Right. Because right. it's name brand. <laughs> yes. I, I think Billy Joel said it best in that song. He said, you can't dress trashy till you spend a lot of money. Right. <laughs> right. That's so, oh my gosh, that's my nouveau hillbilly. So That's such a great term. I, and I think you're, I think you're absolutely right, because if you look at it, 
I mean, look at look at how I'm, I swear every time I say that I go look at how this generation's acting. Uh-huh. I feel like that guy on the porch. Right. But hey, but I have kids, friends who get out of, are get like get out of my yard. Exactly. <laughs> but I have friends who are like doing the whole urban gardening, urban mm-hmm. farming thing, and it it kind of like I I didn't realize it until you just said it that it's like oh my gosh they are they're like high-tech hillbillies right well here's what's so funny to me why would they be urban gardening and all this kind of stuff like where i i get that where i live i mean it was just two years ago that we finally could purchase arugula in this town i i i can't (laughs) buy most my stuff where i there's one store where i can buy like this organic stuff right Right, now, we do have right. some farmer's markets that have been literally pushed in the last, like, three or four years in this area, and they are great. We have actual farmers here, <laughs> okay? Yeah. Not just – Yeah, know. not not uh, want to be a farmer. <laughs> right. So what I don't understand is this idea of someone in California who lives next door to Whole Foods starting an urban garden. Right. Why? Because you can't get organic stuff. Now, you know what? You can get it. But it's $10 a tomato, right. you know, and so then this idea is like, well, I have to eat organic, and so this is cheaper, and so it's kind of like a little bit of that DIY kind of movement, which I totally appreciate. I just want to call a spade a spade. I don't think that's because of a generational thing. I just think people are reacting to our to the environment that they're in. Things become hip and cool, and that's what we do. You know, and I don't think someone's going to do it any more or less because they're a millennium or because they're a Gen X. People are just kind of reacting to the pop culture that there is at the time. And it's different pop culture that happens at different times. And that's why it appears that they're reacting differently. But I think it's just people. And then you'll have somebody within the same generation. I mean, the generation span, like Y or the millennium generation, however you want to put it, that's 1981 to 2000. That's a 19-year span. So, you know, when they were 19, I guarantee you something, somebody in that same generation is responding very differently than someone who is 29 or 34. That's a pretty big difference. And I think that people are reacting to pop culture, number one. And then number two, they're responding based on their own age. And then there's, you know, other things that come into play. Like, for example, I was married for 10 years before I had kids. So once I had kids, I wasn't, I was more set in my career. I, my husband was full-time stay-at-home dad. I just had a lot of stability under me. And so I was, that was, I was able to engage in luxury things as a mom that if I had had kids at 20 for personally, I don't think I would have been a good mom. The other thing is I would have been very much more responding to the financial burden, the time consumption that children are. FYI, Mm. kids eat money and food. Right. (laughs) So I would have been responding more about my surroundings and not so much just based on my generation. Mm. Yeah. And I think too, you know, you touched on something earlier that, uh, that I I was mulling over while we were talking. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I I think there's this desire Mm -hmm. when we were talking about putting people in categories, it's almost like, like, uh, Basing somebody solely on their horoscope. Right, right. It's like, oh, well, you're a Capricorn, you're laid back, and blah, 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 blah. It's like, well, you're a millennial, or now now even uh, today we have the new subset, which is centennials. Right. 
So it's, yeah. you know, every, every generation hates the one before, right. I guess, is what it boils down to. I think Mike and the Mechanics wrote a song about that. <laughs> yes, exactly. exactly. But, you know, that's like what's perceived wrong. So, yeah, people in K-12 right now, that's the Centennials. You touched on a little bit differently about, like, some companies who have altered their plan. And yeah. you you kind of hit that idea. But let's think about some of those things that happened. Obviously, right. Tom's was a total um, epic win. Mm-hmm. What have been some of the epic fails? Oh, gosh. Well, the first one that comes to mind was when uh, Coca-Cola decided to go with new Coke. Right. <laughs> Remember that? That lasted for a, a whole half a second. Right. Oh, my gosh. The outrage. Oh, it was it was horrible. And then, of course, then they tried to backpedal and said, oh, my gosh, we screwed up royally. So then they came out with classic Coke. Right. That's what, that's what old people want to be called, classics. <laughs> right. So they got rid of that and just called it Coca-Cola, which... <laughs> So they had to take that big sidestep to realize that what they had was working and there was no reason to change it for anybody. You know, it's I I, I just think that's so funny that people think that you have to readjust or remake something to gain a larger audience. Okay, that is exactly why I brought this whole thing up because people are saying to me as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, I have to change my management style and I have to change my hiring practices, et cetera, et cetera, go all the way down it in order to accommodate millennials. And I don't agree. And, you know, just for example, one of the things that they typically say, what I'd like to debunk is they say that you should be more digital with your millennial employees that they don't want to be bothered or pestered personally. They would like, they grew up on phones and they're in the digital right. thing like that. Because I'm, I'm Generation X and I didn't have a computer in my home and I right. actually didn't have one until I went to college. So I'm, you know, part of that generation. So they say those things and like, so it follows that they love it. This is right out of The Economist. Just for example, it says about the idea that firms should communicate with digital natives through digital media. More than 90% of millennials say they wanted to receive their performance evaluations and to discuss their career plans face to face. You know what? It turns out they are people. (laughs) (laughs) Ironically. That's kind of the thing. They say, yeah, change my management style. You know what? I'm not interested. And so in the end, and this is kind of where I went with this article, kind of as I was wrestling with this issue, what I think helped, whether it's a millennial or a Generation X or a baby boomer who wants to work here, what helps is if I can cast a vision of what this company can be, right. where I'm headed. Can I be very communicative about that? Um, because that's hard to, you get trapped in working, working. And I always have to remember, put my head up and make sure I give vision to these employees so they know why they're doing what they're doing. That's also true for hiring. But in that, you get clarity. Who works well in this environment? I'm not saying change our environment. What I'm saying is get clarity about our environment. And that to me is the way that I can serve not only the millennials, but anyone who would like to work here at Little Bird Marketing, because, you know, we have a particular culture that is unique to us. It has its own personality, its own flavor. And I obviously mm-hmm. set the tone for it. But different people who have been very successful have come in through here and have, you know, added to it. 
and made it made it even something more special. And so there are like unwritten things. We keep kind of referring to them as soft skills, but it's also like unwritten pieces of knowledge, like legacy knowledge that you need in order to truly succeed at Little Bird. And we tried to take those things and then move it over to, now let's incorporate those things into our hiring pro uh, practice so that we basically weed out people who we find did not do well in the end, right? right? right so, right. and I, I want to give you some, for examples, oh, uh, okay. everybody, when they think, when something that's like kind of an unwritten, unmentionable thing comes up, like, what is it like to work here? You yeah. know, what would help you? They write it on a card so that we all can look at it later. So right. I didn't make all these up, just keep in mind. So, oh, I was going to give you full credit. Okay. <laughs> some, I'll tell you which ones are mine. <laughs> okay. So all right. You Go can't ahead. be a clock watcher. Ooh, if you're a clock watcher, you'll be so unhappy here. And what the irony of that, I say that to people is like, you know, it's just like you can't like clock in, clock out. What's the funny thing is I try and get people out of here. I really, really do everything I can to respect 40, 40 hours. That's my ideal. And I, right. I strive. And there are seasons where that's not possible. And that's why we're on salary. But when it is possible, I'm kicking people out. Right? Right. But you can't be a clock watcher. You can't be the person, right. you know, clocking out yourself. You know, I can tell, I can smell that a mile away. Um, the other thing is you have to use proper grammar. And oh. I don't, I find it incredibly lazy. So, well, I just talk like that to you. No, if you're talking like that to me, you're talking like that to our clients. Let me assure you. Right. And I hate improper use of things oh, in email. Text, text speech. Text speech, like where they say right. BRB mm -hmm. or JK. Right. Or... That's fine. Talk to your friends like that. When you're at work, yeah. talk to your coworkers differently. It just, it, it, it's pulls the environment down, right? Right. So right. you also have to have big picture thinking. You can't be handling an ad and saying, yeah, but I was only in charge of the margins. Yeah, but you can see right there the logo's not the right logo. You right. have to be cr a critical thinker. And so we look for evidence of critical thinking, right? People mm -hmm. have to be curious about the, their industry. I ask what they're reading right now. I ask what podcasts they're listening to. I ask what blogs they're following. They have to show that they're curious about the in industry, not because I'm saying, and if you don't do this, I won't hire you. I'm just telling you, you it won't work out over time. Right. Because right. we're an environment that is constantly curious about our own industry and the industry of others. And that's the environment that we have. So this is really just best practices. For Little Bird. And that's what right. I'm saying. I don't think it, you can say these are best practices for everybody based on millennials or anything. Right, you know, people have right. to be willing to have conflict. You can't chew gum. That's mine. That's yours. <laughs> or at least don't chew it when I'm around. Or at my, when I walk out of the office, I'm going to be gone for two hours in a meeting. That's your chance to put gum in. Because right. I can't take it. It better not be in my trash cans. I have a thing. <laughs> I just have a thing. And it's my company. I'm not going to apologize. There you so, go. That's all right. you know, and people, this is a big one, have to be really responsive and thrive. In fact, know how to thrive under constructive criticism. Mm. And one of the things that one of the other ones that I love a lot is that if it ever is going to come out of your mouth, but that's not in my job description, just don't even, don't even ask to be hired here. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Those are things, things that I've noticed like trends about who has done well in our environment. And ultimately I enlisted the help of my employees to really compile a very long list that these are these unspoken things. And so I end that my rant about millennials and everything else is yes. that 
I don't think that I need to change my management style. I think I just need to be clear about my management style and I need to be clear. People want to know what to expect and they can take it whatever way they want based on their generation or their birth order or the fact that they have a middle name or three middle names. I really don't care. I think people in the end want to belong. They want to belong to something special and they want to be recognized for the individual contributions they make and rewarded accordingly. Yeah. And and that actually spans any age group. Absolutely. You know, I mean, you could you could tell that to somebody's grandma or grandpa, mm-hmm. or you could tell it to their kid who's a senior in high school, right. and it doesn't matter if you if if that's the standard across the board, then it doesn't matter if you're a millennial, a centennial. Uh, I don't even know what the next generation after that's going to be, but yeah, I agree with you a hundred percent because you know, as we've seen, when people try to conform to what they think others want. Mm-hmm. It's that's you are already uh, three quarters of the way off. Oh, the it's that's dangerous ground. Yeah, yeah, it is because then you lose sight of your core competency mm-hmm. and who you are mm-hmm. and what your company is about and what makes you unique. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It's like people say, well, you know, uh, I want to be different just like everybody else. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think Priscilla, this has been a fascinating conversation because I think it is so relevant. Right. And especially for people in our age groups that, well, there I go. I'm, I'm like already putting us back in those groups again. It's, you millennial, you millennial centennial, bilingual. Yeah, exactly. It's, you know, and I, I don't want to get a bunch of hate mail. I'm not saying that there's not something that this can offer us to understand things. Sure. I'm just saying I don't think that we should be bending our entire companies and practices in pursuit of what I think is appeasing an idea that, in my opinion, is a myth. Right. And some people may fit, but not everybody does. And you would be better off spending your time really honing in on your authentic message about who your company is and what you offer rather than chasing this generation myth. Wow. That's very succinct. I think think that's something you should put on your wall if you have room. Always have room. (laughs) Yes. Well, Priscilla, thanks again yeah. for, for even broaching this conversation. I think this is one of those unspoken things that people will maybe talk about over lunch or, you know, uh, at a cocktail party or something. But especially when it comes to your business and your best practices, I think this has just been a fantastic conversation. Well, listeners, of course, we want to hear your experience. And if if maybe there have been times where you've changed your route or changed the direction of your company or service in response to what you believed was uh, a generational calling or trying to fit into a specific uh, category. You can always leave us a comment on the Little Bird webpage, on our Facebook page, or wherever you downloaded this podcast from. And speaking of downloading our podcast, we would love to get a rating from you on iTunes. So if you'd head over there and give us a rating, of course, five stars is always appreciated. But leave a comment. Tell us what you want to hear us talk about, because this podcast really is for you, regardless of what generation you were born in. (laughs) So for the Little Bird Marketing Company, the home of cage-free thinking, this has been Ponderings from the Perch with Priscilla McKinney and Dan Ledbetter. Have a great day.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.